Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. How do we change our lives for the better? According to Deepak Chopra, the key is awareness. Chopra is an alternative medicine advocate and the author of more than 90 books. His new podcast, Mind Body Zone, Living Outside the Box, explores how we can improve ourselves through mind-body connection. It'll be available on Audible next week. Deepak, welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor to have you on this program, so thank you for, for making the time for us. It's my honor. The guests on your new podcast have one thing in common. They all made big mental shifts that changed their lives. What made you want to focus on these pivotal moments and transformations? So I've been a student of uh, what people do and why they do it. I've been looking at that for the last 45 years. 99% of us are basically biological algorithm in that we are totally predictable and we are have no original thought and we're squeezed inside a box called the conditioned cultural mind. And uh, there are exceptions to this. Uh, the people I spoke to in my podcast are people who not only broke out of the box, they basically were not looking at a box at all. There was nothing inside or outside to look at. They had freed themselves from the conditioning that is part of our culture right now. And that culture is so recycling, the same ideas, same notions, same behaviors, habitual certainties, without us realizing that we have no freedom, actually, to create. Every single person I interviewed, from Gabor Mate to Oprah Winfrey to all the others, Suzanne Simard, they were not victims of the conditioned mind. They were true creators and therefore role models for us all to see how we can break through our conditioning, Mm -hmm. our default mode of being a biological algorithm that's triggered by people and circumstance into predictable outcomes. How and when did you make that mental shift personally? I made that shift uh, a long time ago. I would say 45 years ago. As a resident intern and fellow, I had specialized in internal medicine and also in what is called neuroendocrinology, the study of brain chemistry. I was seeing the connection between what happens in our mind and the biological responses thereof. And I also realized that medicine, as I was practicing it, was based on a paradigm that worked at times and that did not work at times. So, you know, modern medicine with all its advances and all its technology, is very effective at treating acute illness. So if you have, say, pneumonia, you need an antibiotic. If you break your leg, you need to see an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, I realized that what we call reductionist mechanistic medicine was very good for acute illness, but not good 
either for prevention or even for managing chronic illness. So chronic illness, by chronic illness, I mean the major epidemic of our time, which is obesity, type 2 diabetes, inflammation, depression, anxiety, stress. These are very important factors in illness. Only 5% of disease-related gene mutations are fully penetrant in that they guarantee the disease. So if somebody has a mutation like, say, Angelina Jolie had for breast cancer, it's called the BRCA gene, then you need to have a preventive mastectomy because that gene is going to predict cancer. Only 5% of gene mutations are like that, not only for cancer, but for every other disease. The rest are dependent on our daily choices, including how much we sleep, how we manage stress, something called vagal stimulation or parasympathetic stimulation, emotional resiliency, biological rhythms, and, of course, food and exercise and movement and mind-body coordination. And I got a lot of criticism 35, 40 years ago for having uh, even proposed the idea that there were alternative or integrative methods for treating most chronic illness. But over the last 45 years, the science has fortunately come and uh, yeah. and given some credibility to these ideas. Well, back to those guests on your podcast, you mentioned a few, John Batiste, well, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, How did you select them? Well, actually, it was a collective process. Some of them I knew from a long time, like Oprah. Old friends, Oprah yeah. Known, an old friend. I used to joke with her, if you married me, you could be Oprah Chopra. Uh, <laughs> she did, of course, appreciate the joke. But, you know, she's been so kind to me all these years. And she was very powerful. You know, she spoke about her own vulnerability. She told me some very interesting stories. And uh, I know now why she's such a success and why other people could learn from her. There was Gabor Mate on overcoming trauma, from whom I learned he's a physician, author, and expert on trauma and addiction that there's no one in our society, no one, not one person who hasn't had trauma in their life. Mm-hmm. It's not that they haven't had trauma, it's how they dealt with it. And so here's a man who conquered his addictive tendencies, but also was able to help others because he did it for himself. Suzanne Simard, an amazing person who discovered what she calls the mother tree in forests, that take care not only of the offspring of our own species, but trees that are from other species. Uh, And on and on, you know, Corey Woltering on following her bliss, uh, I should say, uh, which is so fundamental to transformation. How to follow his bliss, sorry, Corey Woltering, ultra runner, ex-Gonzalez, as the person is called, because uh, relinquished all traditional gender identity. Mm-hmm. John Batiste and creativity. I mean, these are amazing people. John Batiste is not only you know, familiar with jazz and hip-hop and street poetry, but classical music trained at Duyard. And Leila Saad on healing trauma as well, both mind and body trauma, but the trauma of anti-racism. The author of Me and White Supremacy, and how to combat racism, change the world, and become a good ancestor. And I realize that every act we do is influenced by our ancestors. Absolutely. I can't even move my hand unless I have the genes of my ancestors present in every cell in my body. 
you gave a TED Talk a few years ago. It was about reinventing the body, right? You talked about right. thinking of our bodies as these constantly changing beings as opposed to being static. How does right. this realization help us to lead a better life? Well, this pandemic showed us uh, some very interesting things. A lot of people got sick. A lot of people died. A lot of people when made this a political statement. But at the same time, nature started to reinvent herself as we returned to our cages. You know, you could see the Himalayas from 400 miles away. Birds were singing in Hyderabad. Uh, fish were returning to dead lakes, even in Venice. And nature was reinventing us up. So the body of nature was reinventing. I thought to myself, why don't we all reinvent our bodies by resurrecting our souls? And this was an opportunity. So actually, I lost a very significant amount of weight myself. Mm -hmm. And I went into a mode where I cultivated a joyful, energetic body, uh, love and compassion in my heart, clear mind, and lightness of being. I realized that this is a capacity we all have. The body is not a noun. It's a verb. And, you know, if we take care of a few things, uh, which I had the luxury of actually studying a lot and doing meta-analysis through our foundation work, discovered that on almost every chronic illness, except those that are genetically determined, which is less than 5%, there's low-grade depression, low-grade anxiety, and low-grade inflammation that precedes chronic illness. And now the data is there. And all of that is actually treatable. Low-grade inflammation is even measurable. It precedes things like Alzheimer's by decades and yeah. many other chronic illnesses. So this was a good opportunity to look at the science of reinventing the body. Deepak, there is some guided meditation at the end of your podcasts. Can you describe what that's like? Yes, yeah, Sasha. So the guided meditations were all around the episodes. So if Corey Waltering was speaking on following your bliss, then the meditation was how do you discover your own bliss? I see. When Oprah Winfrey was talking about vulnerability as actually being strength, the guided meditation was about that. When Jessamine Stanley was talking about self-acceptance, the guided meditation was about self-acceptance. Suzanne Samard on interconnection, the meditation that sees the interconnectedness of all things, etc., etc. On overcoming shame, guided meditation. How do you go beyond shame, which is a social construct, and there's ultimately there's no reason for anyone to be ashamed because mm -hmm. we all have light and darkness inside us. The sinner and the saint are merely exchanging notes. As I say, the saint has a past and the sinner has a future. So I took all these themes and created guided meditation. Another overall message of yours that I've always loved is you talk about love, right? Letting love creep in and allowing it to become a healer and motivator for everything that we do. Can you talk a bit more about the role that love can play in healing? Yeah, you know, love is frequently understood as a sentimentality and emotions, uh, which it is. And there is a lot of sentiment involved, personally, in love that is in personal relationships. Um, but love is a much bigger truth than just a mere emotion. Love is the ultimate truth at the heart of the universe, which means the inseparability of our existence. You know, the wisdom traditions in the East talk about how we are part of a matrix of interbeingness. 
and that's part also of the Buddhist teachings and, of course, Christian teaching, love thy neighbor as thyself. Right. It's impossible, you think, to do it. But, in fact, if you experience your true self through meditation, you do find what is called love as truth, uh, love of an idea, love of service, love of a higher calling, love of children, love of your significant other. It's a whole new dimension of love that is healing. And again, in the Indian tradition that I come from, the word is love in action, which is called karma yoga. That love without action is meaningless, and action without love is irrelevant. But when you practice love in action, then the whole world responds to you Mm -hmm. and wants to help you out. And that's been my experience as well. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and that's the inevitable, the pandemic, right? It's amped up stress for so many of us, Deepak. So how can meditation help us to just stay grounded when life right now just feels so overwhelming? Yeah. So, you know, pandemic, there were many pandemics. One was the COVID-19 pandemic. The second was the economic disasters that occurred and people losing their jobs, etc., And the third epidemic was stress, which was actually the number one epidemic, worsening the other two epidemics. And stress is associated in the body with something called sympathetic overdrive. So your sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for the fight or flight response, if it goes on overdrive, then it produces intense inflammation. And both low-grade inflammation and what are called inflammatory storms that occurred in a lot of young people who were succumbing to this illness, they are actually the precipitating factor in what we call morbidity and mortality from the infection. Now, our science has not emphasized the opposite of the fight-or-flight response, which is actually the name of your show, Reset. The reset response, the reinvent response, mm-hmm. the digest response, and the relax response, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. And many breathing exercises, many things like uh, yoga and tai chi and qigong, vocalization, chanting, singing, breathing exercises, and even vagal stimulation through artificial means uh, can actually override the sympathetic response. So I was teaching this because I was also practicing it. Okay. And we saw dramatic results in the alleviation of inflammation. And of course, this is anecdotal at the moment, but people that in, in my ecosystem were practicing all the precautions, physical distancing, masking, vaccination, all in good order. But if you took time to reset and you know, overrode your sympathetic overdrive, you had fewer chances of getting really sick. Deepak, what do you say to someone who says, you know, I tried meditation, it just doesn't work for me? So now that we have technology, you know, I I put out some meditation on Fitbit a while ago. We had 1.3 billion media impressions. I was shocked. Wow. And what we were doing is on Fitbit, you can, or any handheld device these days, or any wearable, you can look at your heart rate variability, you can look at your heart rate, you can look at everything that is a measure of health, your sleeping patterns. And so we were encouraging people to look at these devices 
and intervene in real time. And it was really dramatic. And all those people who are complaining of, you know, I can't meditate, I don't have time, they're the ones who need it most. So what I did was not only put the scientific data out there, but show simple ways where you can do a one-minute meditation or a 30-second intervention okay. or just stop and take three deep breaths, observe what's happening in your body and proceed with awareness. And I have to say, we've got a lot of pessimists change their minds. So what do you want people to take away from this new podcast? That they have an immense out of resources in their inner being for intuition, insight, inspiration, creativity, a higher calling, and transcendence, and that life can be a celebration instead of a disaster, which is the way we are seeing it right now. I also had the opportunity to look at all the social demographics and what people call happiness, and only 10% depends on situation, circumstances, and what's happening in the world. The remaining 80% depends on how we see the world. Do we interpret it as a problem or a disaster? And the choices we make every day, are they only for ourselves or are they also for others? Do we have the capacity to give other people attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance? And that is probably the most healing element that could create also joy and happiness for ourselves. When and where can people tune in? Audible, and it starts um, uh, 16th of this month, very soon. That's exciting. Thank you, Sasha. That is alternative medicine advocate, author, and podcaster, Deepak Chopra. Deepak, thank you so much for joining us here on Reset. Thank you very much, Sasha. Thank you. And that's it for today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast. And please, give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.